Hello and welcome back to the Middlemen Podcast. So much has gone on in the world of sport, the Olympics, pre-season friendlies, the transfer window in football, but we're going to give a little boxing update today because loads has gone on in the Olympics with Team GB. So many athletes doing us so proud out there. Uh, but first off, Max, how have you been? It has been a while. I think we've both got a bit of man flu for sounding a bit groggy. How are you? Yeah, we've uh, we've lost our, our podcasters tone a little bit this week because, uh, you know, we've been busy, been enjoying ourselves. It is the summer after all, but yeah, a little, little bit under the weather today, but, you know, much better. You've uh, you've lifted me up now and now we can get stuck into this boxing. You always lift me up, that middleman spirit fights on. And let's start with Team GB out in Tokyo at the moment. Obviously, the circumstances have been difficult. We've we've had two Team GB athletes on our podcast, Galau Yafai, whose name they need to get right, by the way, when they're pronouncing it uh, on the BBC, and Fraser Clark. Um, I'll go through all of the boxes and where they are, and then we can pick out some specific fighters to talk about. So Galau Yafai, flyweight, he's into the semi-final after a points victory in the quarters. Peter McGrail, featherweight, he's out. He was out in the round of 32 via points decision. Luke McCormack, um, he is out. The welterweight's out in the round of 16. Pat McCormack, though, his brother. Wow, this is just unbelievable. Uh, he's He won a silver today. He lost to uh, Ronil uh, Iglesia, the fighter from Cuba, in an astonishing welterweight bout. It just really wasn't at the races in the end, though, uh, McCormack. But what a fight that was. Ben Whitaker, the light heavyweight, he's in the final tomorrow. So on Wednesday, he's in the final against Arlen Lopez from Cuba. Chevron Clark, bit of a disappointment for Britain's heavyweight, out in the round of 16 uh, via a points decision. Fraser Clark, our good friend, a friend of the podcast, the super heavyweight, the semi-final tomorrow uh, against Uzbekistan's Bakardir uh, Jalalov. Uh, Steve Bunt, a little bit critical of Fraser Clark, and we'll get onto that in a minute. And then for our female fighters out in Tokyo, Charlie Davison, the flyweight, out in the last 16 via unanimous decision. Karis uh, Aring still with a featherweight out in the semi-final. So uh, she took a medal, which is still a massive achievement. Caroline Dubois, Daniel Dubois' sister, the lightweight, she was out in the quarterfinal, a split decision, unfortunately. And Lauren Price, the middleweight, the semi-final on Friday uh, against a girl from the Netherlands, Nuchka uh, Fontin. So loads to comb through, but I think let's start with Fraser Clark. He's the one that's been in the news and the headlines after uh, <laughs> quite an odd ending against Murad Aliyev from France. Aliyev was disqualified for uh, two head clashes using his head twice, and he refused to leave the ring after the bout. He wasn't very sportsmanlike. I'm not sure he was very pleased. Some people say it was a bit harsh. Others say the referee did his job and followed the rules. He did cut Fraser Clark twice, but that was only because of the headbutt. So Max, Fraser Clark uh, through to the semi-final, but probably not in the way he would have wanted to have got there. No, uh, of course not. You know, when you, when you step in that ring, at the end of the day, you, you want to win uh, with whatever means necessary, whatever way necessary, as long as you get that win, that's that's all you want. But um, of course, of course, you know Fraser wouldn't wouldn't have wanted to end that way. Uh, I think I think I can vouch for him with that. But at the end of the day, he's he's got what he stepped in the ring for, so you can't really fault him with the performance. You know, is the the way it ended was out of his control because is at the end of the day, it's down to the the other uh, the guy that he was fighting. Sorry, so. You know, he, he stepped in and, and as I said, did, did what he wanted to do, did what he had to do. 
uh, and and left with the win. And now now he progresses and he's still got that gold medal to to possibly fight for. So it's great. I think you know you listed off all the uh, the big names there, all, all the names in the Team GB squad, and they've done they've done all of us proud. You know the the way they've fought. A couple of disappointments in there, yeah, but we've also got uh, some some great names. Uh, that have that have done some great jobs in there, so I'm I'm pleased with all of them. Yeah, it, it has been such an exciting Olympics, and I think this is Britain's best Olympics in terms in terms of boxing since the 1920s. So post war, we've gone out there and smashed it. I think that's testament to the facilities we have in Sheffield that we've both been to and seen. And I remember going around there with you, and it was just incredible. Uh, Fraser Clark's been under a bit of scrutiny from the likes of Steve Bunce, who is a boxing expert in his own right. Steve Bunce has said essentially he can't take that kind of punishment whether it was with with uh, the French guy's head or not if, if that were in pro boxing and that he's kind of just scraped his way through Fraser Clark Fraser's quite rightfully said I don't really care about the criticism I'm here and I've worked hard to get there but uh, Steve Bunce got a point or not I mean well when you look at someone like as you said Steve Bunce a, a great a veteran boxing expert you know a lot of respect for him um, and great interviewers. Well. You see him on the BT Sports shows all the time. Love Buncey, but I, I don't know. I can't really agree with him on this one because at the end of the day, there's no point, there's no point saying uh, uh, you won't get away with that in pro boxing because the Olympics isn't pro boxing, so it doesn't matter. You, you got, if you're making a comparison, you need to compare like for like. But he's not comparing like for like. He's comparing amateur boxing to professional boxing, which uh, almost... Two completely different sports, you know, in, in terms of the levels, they really are. But of course, he does have a point in saying that looking at the future of uh, of Fraser Clark, because I assume now after this, after this Olympic tournament, he will go into pro boxing. But I mean, he'll he'll take those learning curves um, and with the punishment and whatever Bunce thought he was taking, he, he'll learn and, and ride the uh, ride the, the learning waves then when he's at that stage of pro boxing. But right now, He's he's an amateur, and what his opponent was doing in the ring doesn't run at amateur level. So, as I said, it's it's kind of pretty much out of Fraser's control. But if that comes about in pro boxing, I'm sure he'll deal with it in that way. So, um, I don't think there's any point in Bunce making that point now until until he's actually a professional, and you know that same situation comes about uh, at that stage. Well, listen, Fraser, he's in the semi final now, so we'll see how he does. Uh, tomorrow and we wish him all the best and the same goes to Galau and everyone he's still got a fight uh, on their hands still going for a medal and I think there's been a lot of I don't know there's there's been some harsh words shared from the likes of Piers Morgan who's just a bit of an idiot anyway saying that the bronze and silver medals don't count only it's not an achievement you you need gold otherwise you've still lost and for me that's just a load of absolute rubbish If, if I pulled out a medal in 20 years' time from the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, and it was bronze. I think my grandchildren and my children would still be absolutely astonished, and so would everyone else. It's an amazing achievement, and it really winds me up when you get these absolute imbeciles coming out with such rubbish on Twitter. Well, yeah, do you know what I mean? If if you win, don't even worry about a gold, but if even a silver and a bronze medal, that puts you in such a rare percentage of people, of people in the whole entire world, to, to get such an achievement, you know, I don't think you Pierce Morgan, yeah, a, a big figure in in his own profession, but I don't think he's done anything uh, to get on the same achievement scale as a bronze or a silver uh, 
Olympic medalist. Do you know what I mean? I want to see, you know, put that guy in a round of 32 and see how far he gets in a boxing tournament. I, I think people who are, who are so far from the boxing world and who have never taken a punch in their life, I don't know how they can dish out this kind of criticism. I think it's stupid. And I think if, if you haven't ever taken a punch in your life and you still want to criticise something, that's okay. But do it with the empathy of these fighters are going in their ring, risking their health for the nation, for the pride of the nation, not to get sticked back. So I think the, the, the least we can do is be proud of them, especially if they get a medal. Well said. I'm in awe of them completely. They should be very proud of everyone. Every Olympian, whether you win a medal or not, should be proud. They've got to the Olympics. Uh, but to take a medal home, that's just something else. Um, and you said they're boxers. They do risk their health when they go into the ring and I think Conor Ben got a bit of a health scare that he wasn't expecting a very unfortunate one Ben uh, the son of Nigel of course was uh, supposed to defend his WBA continental welterweight title uh, against Adrian Granados uh, for a fifth time he would have defended it uh, in week one of Matchroom's fight camp series but he tested positive uh, for coronavirus so instead Nottingham's featherweight underdog Lee Wood challenged and beat the WBA featherweight title holder, Can Chu. No one saw it coming. Wood came into the fight with just six weeks' notice anyway, on the back of an excellent performance against Reese Mould, and yeah, a devastating stoppage, and, and he secured the British title against Mould. Uh, Chu just hadn't fought for two years, but he was still the bookmaker's favourite, and Wood left it late. It was a 12th-round stoppage. He sent Chu to the canvas with a right hook to the chin in the final round. Chu did get back up, but the wood, the wood, I'm, I'm going over to my commentary notes um, for later. I'm a born with Chelsea later, but wood, not the wood. It's a bit confusing when you're working with a club like that. Uh, responded with a flurry of shots and the referee stopped the fight uh, in the 12th round. What a win. What a moment uh, for Lee Woodmax. Yeah, to get out of the, to get that out of the way, Bromwood FC are not the uh, featherweight champions <laughs> in boxing right now. That is that is the Lee. <laughs> they wish they but, were. Yeah. <laughs> is a is a fantastic achievement by him. You know, uh, he was the bookmaker's. Fa- well, Kanju was the bookmaker's favorite, and my my favorite as well. I thought I thought he was uh, just a couple notches above in in the levels department that that Lee Lee was. But you know, proved me wrong and. And I'm glad that he proved me wrong. It's another, uh, it's another British, well, it's another world champion for Britain, you know. And that's another British athlete that's just been doing the, uh, the country proud. So he's a, uh, is a great achievement, an achievement that I didn't see coming. And I think achievements like that are always better because it just makes it, uh, you know, it fills you with so much more pride when, when you don't really see it coming. And um, fair, fair play to, as I said, just Britain overall these, these past months, just. Uh, doing absolute bits you know for the country it's, it's fantastic to see uh, and I, I, I really didn't expect it on the weekend so fair play to Lee Wood the Wood and, uh, Wood. and smash it on the weekend Lee Wood not the Wood uh, and Lee Wood has come up the hard way you know and like I said he's fought people like Reese Mould and that's what makes it so rewarding when he gets to the top and wins a world championship belt what more could you ask for and he's a, he's a hero in Nottingham and he's the newest and the latest British world champion. But the WBA, and here's an interesting matchup, maybe I'm completely way out with this, but they also have the super champion belt, don't they, with Mexico's Leo Santa Cruz holding that one. So is that a future matchup, do you think? Or am I getting a bit ahead of myself? No, it's um, it's it's a decent matchup that, do you know what I mean? Like, I was, I was looking looking back at uh, Leo Santa Cruz, it's still his last fight was Javonna uh, Davis, who only just fought recently. I think... I think that's a that's a great opponent if you look at it and you look at the time that 
uh, Leo Santa Cruz has had out the had out the ring, and now you look at what Woods doing right now and how active he's been. You could kind of almost favour uh, Wood for that one. I think that's that's another cracking matchup. You know, he's up there with the champions now, so why not why not make these big names? That's only going to rise his stock, especially if he wins. You know, his stock's booming now after that after that world title win. So and any more of these big names, he sh- he should be asking for them now. You know, he's he's a champion. He should be calling the shots and saying, you know, I want this person, this person. You've got. I'm sure you you're going to introduce him. Sometimes sooner in the podcast, no, but you got Jazza Dickens and Kid mm. Galahad, two former opponents fighting for another featherweight world title. So even the names like that, you know, unification fights, this is the stuff we want to see in modern boxing now. And it's the stuff that we are beginning to see, you know, with these undisputed fights. You had um, Jamal Charlo and Brian Castano fighting for the 154 pound undisputed belt. You know, I, I, I like seeing these fights now because that's that's what we want. We always want when you've got these five sanctioning bodies, you want one to unify them all. That's what Josh Taylor, of course, we, you know, we we wax lyrical about him in the previous episodes about his massive achievement. So getting these champions now to unify and, and make one bout and have one champion, uh, that's that's what I love to see in boxing. And hopefully, you know, that's that's on Lee's agenda as well. And he can, uh, he can start calling for these big fights. Uh, it, it makes you kind of appreciate Eddie Hearn and what, and what Matchroom are doing because that fight happened on the fight camp, the, the latest series of that. And obviously that fight camp only started because of COVID, but it's something that is now going to blossom and we've got another round of it this weekend. But these guys are giving young British boxers a chance. And I think you have got to kind of uh, appreciate Eddie Hearn and what he is doing for British and world boxing. And speaking of fight camp, of course, we ha- we have got that Next one coming up on the undercard, we've got popular Australian bantamweight Ebony Bridges. She returns to the UK to face Beck Connolly uh, over eight rounds. And that will be the undercard of Kid Galahad, as you mentioned, versus Jazza Dickens too. Nearly eight years ago, uh, the pair first met in the ring. Galahad claimed a TKO victory to win the British super bantamweight title in 2013. He'll go toe-to-toe with Dickens this time for the vacant IBF featherweight title. That'll be on the line. Uh, Galahad lost to Josh Warrington in 2019. He bounced back with that win over Claudio Marrero last time out. Meanwhile, Dickens, of course, he's worked his way back up the ranks in recent years. He won uh, eight in a row, including his victory over Ryan Walsh in December. So I I don't think it's very hard to call, um, but we all we know is it's going to be exciting. Yeah, exactly. Just, just like their first fight, you know, and these are two very exciting fighters. Um, Galahad, as you said, it, it, I, I was there live for his fight against Marrero and, and he put on a great show there. I like he's got that um, that Ingle Jim character in him, you know, with a, the, the switching of the stances. It's an exciting style to watch. And Jazza Dickens always has he has that grit, you know, he has that kind of th- that British grit, obviously, uh, two, two great top level world class British fighters. And this is why they're fighting for a world title. Now they've proved um, they've proved that they are the elite of the featherweight division. And I think Galahad's been doing that more consistently more recently but as you said Dickens has bounced back um eight wins on the trot you know you you can't you can't not reward that so uh I'm I'm looking forward to this and yeah you know it just seems like the the British athletes are just completely taking over this featherweight division now yeah absolutely and it it is great to see Kid Galahad and the Ingle Jim you mentioned that there and a little plug to one of our previous podcasts with uh, another kick another uh Dominic Ingle prodigy uh which is Liam Williams he 
just wax as lyrical in England. You can go and listen back to what he has to say about the great man. Uh, just quickly, Max, I know it was a while ago now, but Joe Joyce versus Carlos Takan, we can wrap that up as well. Uh, whilst we're doing our little boxing update today, and Takan was savage with his hooks, I thought, just jolting the juggernaut in the opening few rounds. But Joyce obviously then responded with this ferocious flurry of punches to eventually force the stoppage in the sixth. Uh, thoughts on that? Thoughts on that fight, Max? Joyce is still the WBA mandatory challenger. Yeah. Um, is a, it, was a, it was a confusing performance for me, to be honest. I, I never... I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too set on, on Joyce yet. I'm not fully there, 100% set on him. I liked, I liked what he did against Dubois. It was, a, it was brilliant. He's, he's got a great, you know, great technicality with his jab. I like how he gets behind it. Um, I like how he gets behind his jab. It's, it's great the way he uses it. Um, but with Takam, you know, he, he looked a bit exploited there. And I'm thinking, you know, as you were saying with the hooks, he was, he was, he was good with them and he was catching them a lot of the times. And he was looking for that looping uh, right hand as well that come over the top and caught Joyce a few times. And Joyce's chin is fantastic. That's what needs to be applauded because that is, that is a world-class chin there um, when you're comparing it to the other heavyweights. But I'm just thinking if he's getting opened up by a by a age in Takam, what are the what are the top elite you know heavyweights gonna do to him? Because that that is what he's ranked at. You know, he's ranked as as a world class and he, he wants the champ of course he wants the champions. Being in the position, you know, you're not gonna be in a position that he's in and not ask for the champions. Of course he wants the big names, but I would like to see a more dominant victory from him before he kind of steps up and takes on any of any of these heavyweight champions. Yeah, that that is exactly what I was going to say, to be honest with you. Uh, I was going to play devil's advocate a little bit and say, hang on a minute, Takam's 40 years old and he struggled the first few rounds. And uh, you've you've summarised it pretty well there. And I I agree with you completely. I think he's going to have a lot of trouble. And whether you're an Anthony Joshua fan or not, I think if Anthony Joshua steps in the ring uh, with Joe Joyce, I think there's only going to be one winner and it's going to be Anthony Joshua. And I, I, I would back that. Uh, wholeheartedly, I, Joyce is an interesting guy. He's got a really interesting background. He's, I think, he's got a uni degree and uh, some sort of obscure subject. He is a fascinating boxer, and you're right. The way he just kind of brushed aside Daniel Dubois, however many months ago that was in central London. Yeah, he's obviously very talented, and he's obviously got a lot going for him. But like you said, I think if he gets in the ring with I doubt it will be a Tyson Fury, but if it's an Anthony Joshua, which that's more probable, I just don't see Joe Joyce coming out on top. Yeah, and I think the main, as I said there, I, I applaud his chin and I, I applaud his power as well, you know. He did, at the end of the day, we can say that he struggled all he liked against Takam, but he did get him out of there. Um, although he didn't drop him, you know, he, he has that power and it was only a short little left hook that, that staggered Takam. So he has the ability to do that to a man, do you know what I mean? He does have big knockout ability. Um, and I, I think he's only got, if I'm not mistaken, he's only got one uh, one fight in his whole record that has only gone to points. So, you know, his, his power does speak for itself. But, yeah, I just don't think he, he can mix it at the top. But, hey, maybe maybe he'll, he'll do another Lee Wood and prove me wrong. Do you know what I mean? He, I, 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 might, I might doubt him all I want. And then he, he might turn around and, uh, and lay Anthony Joshua out. It might, it might be one of those. But that's... That's heavyweight boxing, and that's what's so exciting about the whole sport in general. These upsets can happen, and God, they're fun when they do. Absolutely. We love a good upset. And, and finally, just to round off very quickly, let's touch on Sandy Ryan. 
Uh, the former amateur star made a winning start to life in the pay rank. She outclassed Kirsty uh, Babington over six rounds on a pro debut. Uh, it's a bit, it's, I think there's a big future ahead for the Derby girl. Yeah. Yeah. As I said, Derby girl, you know, we, uh, we, we love them. Uh, uh, that's our uni town minor knowers. So uh, we like, we like when a great athlete comes, comes out of that city, but yeah. Um, she's, you know, as you said, amateur star, um, great amateur background. And that's what you like to see when, when a um, boxer, when a pro boxer makes their debut, you, you like to see that kind of amateur and you, you watch them start to rise up. You know, not all of them do do it. And a good amateur background doesn't mean you, you're going to go all the way, but um, it means you're going to go more of a way than most, I, I, I believe. So we'll see how far she does get. But I think, yeah, she is a big star in the making, that girl. Well, that's just about it. I think with our boxing update, we've covered Connor Ben, we've covered Lee Wood, Galaria Five, Fraser Clark and all the GB lot. Uh, and of course, uh, just there, Sandy Ryan. Uh, you've also got Ebony Bridges fighting on the weekend on the undercard of Kid Galahad and Jazza Dickens. So some great boxing to look forward to. And if you haven't watched any of the fights we've discussed today, then go back and watch them. If you want a good laugh, then go and see Fraser Clark's uh, quarterfinal victory. <laughs> and uh, there are a good few bits and bobs to look back on. But Max, as always, it's great to talk boxing with you. Good to be back. And we're going to talk some more football, I think, as the Premier League season gets close. Yes, guys, don't uh, don't worry. Don't, hopefully you haven't missed the football too much. We have missed it. Obviously, I haven't been able to watch it every week uh, as, as consistently as we like. But as Noah said, the, the season's back soon. It'll be split 50-50 in the episodes. We'll be all, all the boxing and then all the football as well. So we look forward to that. And uh, I look forward to talking with it with you, Noah. Yeah, absolutely. See you soon, guys. Thanks for listening. Cheers, guys. Speak to you soon. Ta-da.